0: Welcome to Your Making It Worse. I'm Elliot Glazer. I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Alan Scott. We're here. We're queer. Well, uh, meh. Textual, textual healing. healing. All right, so here's a fun one. So according to a HuffPo report, and by the way, Elliot, I guess Huffington Post isn't dead after all. <laughs> you are constantly haranguing me for, for using huffpo is my go-to dipshit like <laughs> left-leaning rag it just said it's internet. just only because it's it's aged it hasn't you know, aged elliot's poorly. like elliot's like brian huffington post is so out it's axios now axios <laughs> wow <laughs> <laughs> elliot's uh elliot's like groans when he opens axios he moans and groans but um so according to this huffington post report Kelly Johnson, the wife of newly elected House Speaker Mike Johnson, a relatively unknown congressman from Louisiana, took her Christian Counseling Services website offline. The site, representing Onward Christian Counseling Services, (laughs) where Kelly Johnson serves as owner and CEO, came under scrutiny when HuffPost unearthed documents there likening homosexuality to bestiality and incest. Uh, her organization believes, quote, the Bible teaches that any form of sexual immorality, such as adultery, fornication, homosexuality, bisexual conduct, bestiality, incest, pornography, <laughs> or any attempt to change one's sex or disagree with one's biological sex is sinful and offensive to God. In a recent interview with Sean Hannity, Wait Speaker it. Johnson said. That was not an interview, by the way.
2: If you watch that thing, that was not an interview. That was basically just like a like a greeting card.
0: Yeah, well, I won't. I won't be watching. Uh, Speaker Johnson said, "Quote: I am a Bible-believing Christian." Someone asked me today in the media. They said, "It's curious. People are curious. What does Mike Johnson think about any issue under the sun?" And I said, "Well, go pick up a Bible off your shelf and read it. That's my worldview." But that's um, not.
3: You're not. You're a politician. <laughs> you're so a politician. A, you're not so, supposed to
0: be. Oh my god! No, sorry. This, this, I mean... this was. This was. This was my take home. Hold on. This is my take home. I we of course you know the last 40, 50 years of our of our life has 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 been uh, uh, dogged by the Republican Party increasingly under the grasp of the Christian right so we all know this there's nothing there's nothing wildly new here what I like at the end of the day usually these guys I'm going to be honest with you usually these guys they they tout these values you you believe that they go to church but somewhere. Somewhere in their in their psyche, you're like, I I know that you will only pursue legislation that I don't support, but I also know deep down that you're not as crazy as as you say you are in some of your speeches. I would I would say that about some of these Republicans, but um, but this guy, this guy seems so crazy, and so I guess so crazy. I guess so Christian crazy, and I guess like to me, it's like it's just interesting because I don't think. I recognize that we are in a, it's a Christian nation. Um, there's a lot of religious people out there, but I think he doesn't speak for like 95, no. 90% of the country. I just, I don't know where they find these people Dude, who they are so, them? so religious. I mean, have you ever in your life met a person who in a professional setting will say, oh, let's, let's answer every question that we have about life, by opening the bible yes you (laughs) You have walk
2: walk into a mormon household and have any other person come in literally we had a painter once who wanted to pray before they painted at the house whoa no way it's just sort of like a it's a reality it is a reality and there are so many people who and that's the thing that's why when like i don't necessarily i don't like people making decisions based on you know using sort of the religious bible. religious dogma to to make decisions about things that they've been elected to do that said i do fundamentally believe in the idea that we elect people we elect a representative to represent a community now will they represent everybody no but if a person gets the most votes and they are a person like mike johnson who has is very open about he makes decisions based on the bible and that district elects this person well that's what you're gonna get. And so yeah. I, I don't hold it against him that he says these things or does these things because that's what the district elected. Blame the fucking district for being idiots. Like I mean, that that's like the, Marjor- oh, the Marjorie yeah. Taylor Greene, the Marjorie Taylor Green the Marjorie Taylor Green being elected. I mean that sort of person Yeah but he wasn't he wasn't elected to the speaker
3: the speaker position by uh voters. By the people well, yeah, but Alan
2: no. Alan's just saying he he
0: got he He was yeah. elected
2: to Congress by that and that, right. I mean and then mm-hmm. the Congress elects a representative and that right. and it's the same situation. They chose this person. And so clearly it's a message that this is what the Republican Party wants to put out there because they see this as a wedge issue that this person's gonna be very good on. And chances are if Trump gets elected, he will be very good at it. So it's it's it is terrifying the direction he goes. And also the interview with his wife. I mean, there was another Fox interview, not the Sean Hannity interview, but another one with the person who worked in the Trump administration. I forget her name, but she's cuckoo too. And she, the wife was essentially talking about sort of her, why, why she went from being a teacher into being this sort of grief counselor because she was a calling and she believes that everything is a biblical calling. And she believes that Johnson being elected speaker is a biblical calling that the Bible talks about calling these leaders to come forth and do these things. And it blows me away that she can do this and say these things and not have any sort of follow through by being like, but we're right. also going to represent everybody. And I, you know, we love, we're here to love everyone that that's completely gone. She's a, she's in an echo chamber. If it's like yeah. Fox
3: with, I'm assuming Caitlin Macanini or whatever, whatever.
2: I don't know who it was, but it was, it was the woman who worked in the Trump
0: administration who was the speaker or who was the press yeah, secretary, the press secretary yeah. Caitlin McEnany. So, yeah. yeah. So we, we talked about this on the Patreon. Everyone join the Patreon, patreon.com slash you're making it worse. But I took a trip to to Boise, Idaho recently, and I was on hinge when I was there. I used Hinge. And if in case you've never used Hinge, it's a dating app where you obviously see dating profiles and people can fill out how religious they are. And I kind of assumed because I'm going to, you know, Idaho, which is certainly a deeply red state. I assumed that it would be it would skew a little bit more conservative and a little bit more religious. And I was absolutely gobsmacked with how many gay men in Idaho identified as agnostic or atheist distinctly in mm. their hinge profiles i mean i would say it was pushing half if not more which is mm. a ton and it just kind of got me thinking how religious are gay people mm-hmm. uh cuz i there's been a lot of talk over the last like last you know decade or two about how you know uh the culture wars have you know, um, stimulated the religious right base, but they've also pushed a lot of mainstream Christians away from organized religion. And I, I think every single poll I've seen over the last 20 years shows that the country is growing shockingly and rapidly less religious. Um, but I was like, I wonder what that trend is like in the gay community. So I, f- I found um, a UCLA study um, that was actually that showed more, more people were religious in the gay community than I, than I had anticipated. It said about 40% of gay LGBT adults, um, age 13, 18 to 34 are religious. Um, 50% age 35 to 49 are religious. And obviously it goes, it goes up from there. Uh, over 70% of black LGBT adults are religious, either moderately or highly. And over half of LGBT, LGBT adults uh, in the south are religious so it sounds like in the south in particular kind of raises yeah the percentage of religious though. gay people no certainly not but anyway i just kind of it was just kind of interesting to kind of give some context well i mean um, i did make a
2: whole documentary about converting to a religion so there is right. definitely a, a a group well i didn't make it some very awesome other people made it and i was just in it but Um, the, there is, I do find that there is sort of a, for me at least, the idea of reformatting this idea of religion. And there is a need for, I think, more commitment to the spirituality, commitment to the community and that the religion, the religiosity of religion, I think is something that a lot of queer people are not subscribing to. And the idea of creating pillars in our lives that, have foundations of communities and how certain religions and certain groups like I mean for Elliot and I, you know, groups like Nefesh and like Jewish groups and these different these different things and and practicing Shabbat, they're all sort of like periphery religious things, sure. They're they're a part of a religion, but at the same time, they're not religious necessarily in 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 its action. It's more recognizing the need for that sort of connection to something mm-hmm. bigger than us to a group bigger than us community like spirituality yeah there's something that a is framework needed, and i feel like a lot of queer people are going in that direction be it christian be it you know jewish be it whatever it is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah all right good night <laughs> <laughs> and thank god you. bless thank you <laughs> <laughs> not even
2: joking we are here today with someone who i don't think there's ever been a guest on the podcast that loves television as much as i love television (laughs) ashley ray hello
1: hi i'm so glad to be here hey Hey, that's probably true i watch a lot of tv i mean yeah
2: i mean you i mean you well you have a whole podcast dedicated to television so like you must love television
1: yeah I mean it, it, I think it all started because television raised me uh, like most right. people with a right. single mom yeah. the TV was my other parent uh-huh. uh, and from there like as soon as I got to college I kind of knew I want to write about TV and apparently that's a thing you can do at liberal <laughs> arts schools they'll just let you I that was my whole senior Oberlin, Oberlin? Uh Williams College oh, <laughs> oh there we go all right <laughs> comparative <laughs> which is yes. yeah which is just like fantastic Oberlin, school yeah. by the way um, it's like Oberlin <laughs> with a suit on it's basically just like <laughs> but they try to make it seem a little more legit and fancy. Uh, and I did my thesis on the history of black television. And oh, there, I was kind of like, I think I can make this a career. That did you talk me. about rock? Yes, actually. And the first queen, up, one, on of this, the,
2: one of the first queer characters on television was on rock too.
1: Yeah. Oh, wow.
2: Yeah. For yeah. some reason we've talked about rock. Like we've talked about rock, rock a lot. Rock was <laughs> Transformative rock was such was... an important show.
1: Such an important show. When I was in college writing this, you could not find it online. is like yeah. um, the beginning of streaming services and my uh, history professor had it all on VHS that she like oh. lent to me just oh, so I could wow. watch it for
2: this thesis. Do you remember their live? They the Rock was one of the few, because it was on Fox, right? It was, yeah. Yeah, it was on Fox. And pretty, it was yeah. sort of like an anomaly on Fox because they didn't even have sort of like situation comedies like The Rock. And they did live episodes of yeah. Rock. Like back in the oh. early
1: 90s. Yeah, I don't know if it was maybe cheaper since Fox was like this new kid on the block platform, maybe. but they were really just like, let's try whatever. We got yeah. some people, I, maybe people will watch. It's yeah. It was an exciting period for TV. You know, I think this
0: has come up on the podcast before, but um, uh, uh, Alan has talked about how, you know, And correct me if I'm putting words in your mouth, Alan, but like there were a lot of like black centered TV shows in the 90s. And then there was this like massive drop off in the aughts. And obviously, I think it's come back a little bit now. But but when you look back at some of the most like, you know, culturally relevant shows, there was, you know, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air you know, rock, and living color. Sister sister. Um, sister, sister. Sister, sister. Living single. It living is single. Yeah, it's yeah. considered
1: like the second golden Martin. age of, of black TV in the 90s. Uh, we hadn't really seen that since, you know, the 70s with Good Times, uh, all the kind of the, you know, those shows, uh, which, you know, were black, Audi- like black actors and for black audiences but had a lot of white writers in those white ro- in those right, writers yeah, rooms right yeah uh in the 90s that actually flips and we see black people making the shows with black people in them mm-hmm. uh I'm, and- I'm uncomfortable i'm uncomfortable oh <laughs> uh, yeah so what, what, do you, what do you mean That's uh-huh. uh, uh, it's a little scary if, yeah. if a white showrunner isn't there to make sure it's okay how, <laughs> right, right. how do i know this what is okay? will we do And sadly it was because These shows were cheaper to make You didn't have to pay the actors as much And these were new stations UPN uh, before it became like the WB And sold, Fox before it became The Fox we know today They could build audiences and also knew That at the time those names came with a ton Of of press, a ton of, like, young viewers. You know, if you had In Living Color and you could have, like, Liga come on and sing a song, you're getting, like, a bunch of people in the 18 to 24 demo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so once yeah. they built that up and had the, like, advertising dollars, then it was okay, now we got to get more mainstream. We got to get white people. <laughs> we got to yeah. make shows for white people. Yeah. What do
2: you think it was? I remember, th- I brought that up on the podcast before. I forget our guest, but we I was talking to, I interviewed Brandy not long ago about something. And we talked about sort of the impact of Black television in the 90s. And then I asked her, like, where do you, what do you think happened? Because in, as soon as like the early aughts happened, it sort of just stopped. And she was like basic cable. Basic cable yeah. came around and kind of ruined black television in a lot of ways because it became and now streaming. It became sort of splintered in a lot of ways. Would well, you agree yeah. with that?
1: Absolutely. I think that on top of just, you know, needing to meet bigger advertising standards as Mm -hmm. like the UPN was sold to WB, you know, then it becomes, hey, well, black people, we aren't making enough, you know, McDonald's doesn't just want to advertise to black people. So, you know, get bigger. Uh, But then on top of that, you have all of these streaming platforms uh, and it took a second, but a lot of them. Were kind of celebrated because it was like, now here's a chance for more diversity. You know, mm-hmm. creators like Issa Rae can start their show on YouTube. People can watch all of these diverse shows, like Orange Is the New Black, on 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 Netflix. So why do the networks need to provide that now?
2: Mm. Yeah,
3: which
1: is kind of how yeah. it went. And then of course,
2: and then of course, I mean, this is what the strike is about. But the streamers can go ahead and like, you know, pay these actors nothing in residuals, and like basically they. They get fucked in a lot of ways yeah. because of the show. And now they, they
1: erase the shows entirely. Yeah. <laughs> now yeah. you're lucky if your show even gets to stay on the app for people to watch for forever. Like now they, they don't care about that aspect, which to me used to be the one good, really good thing about streaming TV is... At least it's always there. You can it's go back to it whenever there. you want. Yeah, not anymore. <laughs> That's so
2: interesting. That is so, All right. so interesting.
0: Go ahead. Brent. So let's geek out. Let's geek out a little bit on nine. Nineties <laughs> is. I, I mean, I think TV peaked in the nineties. I think the nineties, in my opinion, was as good as TV gets. Ooh. Like I just like for the me, The TV. Simpsons. You haven't heard anything <laughs> the from Simpsons, the 70s Seinfeld, apparently. Saved by the Bell. <laughs> Uh, Saved like, by the Bell. I mean, but Saved by the Bell was was absurd, but it was so good. Was it though? Uh, for was it? was it? Yeah, I it, don't know if it was. But... I, I watched every episode of well... Saved. By... Of course, you hate watched it, but you, I mean, you <laughs> okay. still watched it, right? I now, mean, is that I mean, that is doesn't that make not it, relevant.
2: That, that doesn't mean it's part. I mean, to me, yes. There's like it's like it's like watching Housewives in a way. Like I would never consider Housewives up there with like the Sopranos, but yet at the mm. same time, I'm like. Sure I'll well, watch it, you yeah, know? you sure talk about it a lot. <laughs> I, do, uh, I do, I <laughs> do. Uh,
0: but a- Ashley, like, tell us, like, what is, I guess, what is your like Ooh. dream era of TV and mm. why?
1: I'm a I'm a classicist, truly. I do believe the era of peak TV was the peak. I'm sorry, but like. Mad Men, The Wire, Breaking Bad. And but even beyond that, like for me, I was a big network person. I've been watching Grey's Anatomy since the day that it premiered. Wow! And That's when, I people, <laughs> when I tell people when I tell you there was a time in history when you could watch Grey's Anatomy, how to get away with murder and scandal in one night. Yeah. Well, back to back, yeah, just yeah. three hours of beautiful television, <laughs> yeah. and then on and then and then you'd also have The Office, Parks and Recreation, mm-hmm. Community, and Thirty Rock, all in yeah. the same night. Nothing beats that to me. That yeah. was the golden age of TV.
3: Yeah, Scandal I mean, was Scandal was nuts, man. That show oh, went
1: yeah.
3: bananas <laughs> <was>. by like. <sighs>
1: Season three. And actually, at that point, I was working at the A.V. Club and there had been a different reviewer on every season of Scandal because every reviewer was like, this show is too crazy and bad. I don't want to write about it anymore. And I came in and was like, let me take it. I will will get there to the finale. I will never give up on a show. I still watch Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, I had to really I had to review the episode (laughs) where like Olivia beats Amanda death who is in a wheelchair. (laughs) Oh
0: my okay. God! <laughs> All right,
1: she, she beats him to death with a chair an important oh, no. thing to know <laughs> <laughs> kind of like a wrestler like a folding chair yeah she, like, she <laughs> literally picks it and just like beats the vice president to death who is, at this it's point the the it's, oh, the yeah. it's the vice president it's the vice president of course it's the vice president yes it is. <laughs> i had someone of course
2: i had someone i want you to be appalled by this as much as i was appalled by this because no one else has been as appalled by this i had someone try to tell me or try to dis Discredit what I was saying when I said that Shonda Rhimes is just up there with, like, the Dick Wolf, the Norman Lears of creators of television. She is, like, in this league with these, unfortunately, all white men. And they tried to, like, push back on it saying she was soap opera because of, you know, the Grey's Anatomy and all that. And I was like... No, Shonda Rhimes no. like b- basically created television of the last twenty years.
1: Twenty years, yeah. And to write, why don't you off explain soap opera? I...
2: Well, Shonda Rhimes created all the yeah. shows that Ashley just mentioned, basically. So, Scandal, Grey's yeah. Anatomy, yeah, yeah, How to yeah, Go with yeah. Murder, and then now Bridgerton, and she has that uh, massive Bridgerton. Netflix deal. Yeah.
1: Yeah. uh, Bridgerton, the Bridgerton spinoff, which I actually thought was pretty cool. Queen Charlotte. Yeah. Yeah. You know, she makes me uncomfortable.
0: She made unwrapped on the Food Network, I believe. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Bridgerton. (laughs) Alan, you
3: should be, Alan, you should be like, I mean, I'm sure you're already as you're already a fan. But like, I mean, your Disney adult inner goddess should be should be (laughs) uh, uh, so pleased by the fact that she quit. Her, I think her, what was it? Her deal at, at,
1: at ABC, ABC, yeah. Yeah. ABC Disney.
3: She let, she left them because they didn't give her a free pass to Disney, Disneyland. Is that right? (laughs) Yeah. So
1: (laughs) they had given like her and her, I guess, I think she has like a kid or adopted. I don't know. But like they gave her two tickets and she was like, well, I'm also bringing like my nanny and my, my sister. Can I get like three more passes? And ABC was like, haven't we given you oh,
3: enough? Ha- haven't we given you enough? And she Why? literally and she was she left, like, took all her business with her yeah, and left. She's
1: like, well, I'm gone and went and started that a Netflix deal. Insane. I mean, the, the fact that Shonda Rhimes, who has brought these people, what I would so say, billions of dollars yeah. over 20 years, is like, ABC is relevant because of yes! her. She no. saved that network with Grey's Anatomy. The only they thing they had before edit. her was home improvement. <laughs> uh, and Grace under fire. Oh, and Grace under yes, Grace under fire. I remember oh,
0: Caroline in the city. I do. No, believe. that
2: was NBC. I know that yeah. for a fact. All right. Fair
0: you. enough. Alan's but photographic like... memory kicked you in the butt again. Wait, actually, Ashley, Ashley, go ahead. Go ahead, actually. Sorry.
1: Oh, I was gonna say, like, yeah. I mean, happy endings in these little indie comedies they were running were not saving the network in the early two thousands. Yeah. yeah, it was Grey's Anatomy. It was Shonda. It, they truly had a night dedicated to her shows. And to say, haven't we given you enough? No, I, oh my god! And just the disrespect wild. I think she gets as a black female creator. Like oh, you I said, yeah. she should be up there with like the Kenya Barrises, yes. all like you know, the Tyler Perry's. Yes. But people don't give her that credit. I mean, people are still shocked she wrote like Crossroads with Brittany Spears, but yeah. that is a Shonda film. Yes. Like she's been doing it. She I think has a very specific point of view when it in the show she makes that like, goes beyond. Just like, oh, this is a soap opera. Everybody's falling in love. Like, mm-hmm. no, like I said in Scandal, she has a woman beat a guy to death with a chair. <laughs> yeah, that's not right. a soap opera.
2: <laughs> Wait, Ashley, I have to say, I'll oh, go ahead, Elliot.
3: Uh, this will, as much as Alan loved, I'm sure would love Shonda for that uh, that that Disney move. Brent, this might turn you against her in that I I wrote on a show that wrote at the same studio where she wrote and shot scandal and I think how to get away with murder so Uh those people were like walking around all the time anyway as legend has it she would have a car (laughs) sit outside her car like yeah, you know Mm -hmm. a, a, a town car whatever sit outside idling with the air conditioning on blast my queen just just wow. in the in the scenario that she was gonna leave at that moment
1: oh and so then- <laughs> literally all day long all day
0: all right i, do, I don't love that i don't like that, don't,
1: that but i, I can make don't exceptions. love that i mean i kind of do forgive. it's I like prove. if you if you made the longest running highest paid show in network television you get you get also, to work in a different way. I'm sure also, it's an electric. We forgot, we forgot private practice. Just yeah. want to throw that. Oh one yeah, in. private practice private too. Practice. I'm sure it's an
2: electric car too. So she's probably fine.
1: Wait, actually,
2: yeah. I have to say. So you, we haven't even mentioned your podcast yet, which I, is, is a travesty. <laughs> it's called TV. I say, and there it's on Earwolf. So go listen to it. But after you listen to us, obviously. Yeah. Um, but there are a few recent episodes of shows that I have been kind of obsessed with that I want to get your take on because I need to know. So first, please, can we please start with the one that I'm obsessed with? Which one
3: is that? The Morning Show?
1: Oh, Uh, yes. By all means. Absolutely. Let's talk about it. I'm ready for therapy.
3: Go. Brent Brent (laughs) likes to call me unhinged. It's sort of our ongoing bit on this podcast that I'm sexually sexually unhinged. Sexually (laughs) unhinged. There is no, I don't know if TV show, I don't know if art uh, product that is That is as unhinged as this television show.
1: Yes, absolutely. I want to hear
3: your take on it because I've never, it's psychedelic. It's so crazy.
1: It is the most unhinged show in television. Mm -hmm. I watch it and try to describe what is happening to my (laughs) friends. And they're like, what? Like, I'm just like, so they're going to space. Space. (laughs) What? And they're they're in they're in space with John Hamm, but yeah. they come back and find out they might have died on his billionaire space rocket. But don't worry, one of the people like finds out her brother was at January 6th <laughs> And, <laughs> and she was just what? there. She was just she there. She was there to yeah. be a journalist. Yeah, and a, yeah,
3: on the boots on the ground. Boots
1: on the ground journalists. Because I yeah. guess they didn't have like just like a camera guy they could send. They had to send Bradley, who yeah. was the main <laughs> morning like, news anchor. You know, the, yeah,
2: the news anchor. Yeah, It's literally it's like by, if
1: you sent Katie Couric to no, January No, not even, not even. Gail King. Just, like, put Gail a face King. In. Yeah, like Gail, Gail King. King. So that's, that, <laughs> if
3: I may, this is why the show is so baffling to me and so psychedelically nuts. It's because it centers the show as if we live in a world where like gail king or like nora o'donnell or are, are like the most
1: popular
2: well,
3: Celebrities, she is yeah. in my it world. It is this
1: alternate world where everyone cares about morning talk yes. shows. Morning yeah. talk <laughs> <and> Nothing <laughs> is more important to the American people well, than the network. I need wars. to give. And- I need to give credit to the. I mean, I don't call
2: it CBS Mornings. I call it my Gail King, and that is what I do every <laughs> single morning. So, like,
3: and you would, you would be the first one to, pe- to line up to watch Gail King blast yeah. off into space. Yeah, so I mean, and yeah. I've, I've It'd even, be I've, even
2: that. I've even DM'd with her co-hosts, and I've told them so much. It's, I've told them that it is, it is the Gail king to show to i'm sorry on. tony de well and actually mm. as somebody
3: who writes about tv like i just watch it and i'm baffled and i'm like am i high but i have to ask you do you like do, can, i can't like i couldn't try to keep track of it i can't no. keep track of it if i tried no do you are you able to keep track there's so Not, much going on
1: <laughs> Not, i literally tweet sometimes can someone explain to me why <laughs> yeah. this just happened there's a whole scene in the new scene and also i want to say the first two seasons have nothing to do with this current season. No, yeah,
3: nothing. You nothing. could just
1: skip the first two seasons. Yes. It was like someone realized in the first two seasons they messed up so bad. Yes. They just had to jump ahead five years, start all over, forget yep. everything that happened the yep. previous oh my two God. seasons. Like will- if... Yeah. The show starts as this examination of, like, two women who take over this morning show uh from, like, the Me Too era yeah. sexism. It's sort of, of Matt, Lauer-esque. Matt
2: Lauer-esque.
1: Yeah, Matt Lauer-esque. And, yeah. And then Which makes it interesting. Makes yeah. it interesting. And then somehow they decided, wouldn't it be better if we just focused on the Matt Lauer character and how he's so, so sad that he, yeah. like, assaulted women? And the whole second season is just, like, someone wanted to get a paid trip to Italy during COVID. Uh, So they set it up where Steve Cross character goes to Italy. I don't even think they were actually there. I
2: feel it was all green screen because some of them were so bad. It looked like fake green screen. Oh yeah.
1: The moment when he's driving on the road is absolutely Oh my God. I guess they did actually use that mansion uh, in Italy to shoot at. So I'll I'll just, I'll just, I'll just
3: just, and I I know we should get to other shows too, but I have to, I have to put a pin in it by saying there literally is a scene in season two where an Italian female character literally goes "Mamma Mia!"
2: Ellen, <laughs> <laughs> Ellen, give us another show you were you wanted to. Well, I want to say that female was what's her name from Big Top Pee Wee, and she's incredible. She's also in Rain she Man, is. so let's just give her her. Oh, yeah. even though she's I don't know her incredible. name, I don't remember Good her name. name. Um, and, and
1: I'm, I think she's gonna come back in this current. Uh, I don't know. Uh, the show who knows? I, but she's like, they just burn characters back and act like they were there yeah. the whole time. She's in space. Like, she's in space. <laughs> she's in space. Yeah, Mamma um, Mia!
2: But no, okay. The other one that I have to ask you about, which is for my cat's namesake, Frasier, the Frasier oh. reboot on Paramount. It is, Yeah. it is, I mean, I, well, first off, I will say I loved the original Frasier. I thought it was the Same. gayest show on television. I thought it was so <laughs> smartly written. I thought it was, it was the first lead gay character on TV show, even though he wasn't gay. I mean, it was just, yeah. it was just so, it was just such a revolutionary show on so many levels. And this reboot feels like, a bad doctor's visit
1: i mean i don't know what do yeah. you think what's your take? i i am watching it uh i i did the first like three episodes you know i'm laughing because kelsey Grammer is such a strong sitcom actor mm-hmm. he knows what he's doing he knows how to land the punches like it, it's working for me but i'm also just like who are these people and what are we doing <laughs> yeah. like suddenly Fraser, who in the original never cared about his child no. like i think His son would come on the show once a season and just be like, hey, dad. And the son was super gay in the original too. And now he's very straight. And suddenly (sighs) Frazier's like, the only thing I've ever cared about in my life is making sure I have a close connection with my son. And it's just like, what? Where, yeah. where did this come from yeah uh, but, how you know.
0: boring is yeah. da- wait, is David Hyde Pierce no no he no. did not
1: come back they she did not come back uh, apparently Roz will make a guest appearance but she's not a regular character oh, yeah. uh, it's a little bit like the Night court reboot which yes. I also watched. Ooh, Night wow. court was one of
0: the what Night court was one of those shows that I remember loving as a kid. And I watched an episode on YouTube recently, and it is so bad.
1: It is bad.
0: really bad. It
1: didn't age well, but people like have these positive memories. Yeah. And then you make a reboot that doesn't have, I think only one of the original cast came back. It's about the judge guy's daughter. She's a judge now. John Larroquette wasn't on it? It's... Uh, no, he's the one who came back. Oh, John the there I came, back. came back. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And it's just, they all do this thing where they're like, we have to update our cast and make it like more diverse to yeah. fit in with this new landscape. And it's just like you didn't have to do that actually. especially with <laughs> like like that's so Fraser. Like yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't need to right. see Fraser forced to interact with like a well, single mom who lives in the apartment <laughs> yeah. across from his when he decides to buy the entire building. <laughs> oh no. Because he has that amount and it's just like let's just let Fraser be Frazier. But also, like we don't a local Seattle radio personality Seattle radio does not money. have that kind of money to buy a building in
2: Boston, that. Massachusetts. Um wait, <laughs> but well, I have in to 2023. Wait, I have to ask you more but one more thing about Fraser cuz like, the the thing that I am struggling with in watching the reboot is, and it's sort of the intersection of reality television. So I, like I mentioned before, I'm a big fan of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, or Real Housewives in general. And Camille Grammer's... Camille Grammer's time on Real Housewives and the impact that she had on Kelsey Grammer's image now is ruining the reboot for me because I can't get out of my head that Kelsey Grammer likes to be pegged. Like I can't get out of my head Whoa. that Kelsey Grammer Whoa. likes literally. Okay. I didn't are, know that. Yes. Oh, go back and watch season two. I can't get these things out of my head, and I. It's she like, says that outright. Yes. Well, she infers it, and she then doesn't doesn't correct it. So just. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. I oh, wow.
1: mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm I mean, I guess I can He's see a Republican, that. Yeah, yeah, like he is a re- like heavy yeah. Republican, but it's, at the same time, a little twist about him like he actually was one of the executive producers of um, girlfriend. Uh, yeah, yeah. He yeah. has produced and supported so many black creators. Mm-hmm. It's so like, wild, Kelsey. What what's up with you? Yeah, yeah. I,
0: mean- I, I yeah. I do. I, I, all right, so let me ask you a question because this is a little bit more existential here. Do you think? Do you think that? like the ability to binge a television show in one or two sittings is good or bad? Mm, that's a good question. Because my vote, and I'm, I'll, I'll say this because my, my voice is obviously the most important actually. Uh, yeah. My vote is I actually do miss the days of having to wait a week and kind of let, let uh, what has happened in the season so far percolate in your mind. You'll love forward. the morning show then. Yeah, yeah right. you'll love Anything. the morning oh, show. What, 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 do, you, what, do, you think? what do you think,
2: Ashley?
1: I am mixed. I think there are some shows that do so well with a weekly release that that's how I prefer to watch it. Uh, the Morning Show is one of them. I couldn't contain all of that <laughs> no. chaos if I've been No, you I would be like, like wait part. a second, what happened to Space and John Hammond <laughs> yes. Suddenly we're like in a zoo or something but then there are shows like say the bear where i love the bear i think it would have been so much stronger weekly so people could actually talk about it and instead it was like we all binged it at our own speeds yeah. and then you were kind of like oh well, everyone likes it but you know we didn't really have a conversation yeah, it it didn't flares out like, uh, in, in
0: half a week and yeah then you, you know then you it's, it's so big gone. and
1: popular and then you know everyone else is just kind of like oh yeah i'll get around to that show the bear right whatever yeah, uh, yeah. But I also am one of those people who binges a whole show in a day, mm-hmm. so I have to believe it's okay for something like Selling sure. Sunset. Um, yeah. You know what the yeah. hardest,
3: the hardest show to to not to not binge because it was a weekly show was Hijack.
1: Oh uh, well, yeah, I don't remember that. Wait, show, I I waited for it to all come shit. out just so I could binge. Oh, it. What is that show? What
3: is that show? Uh, that it
1: from. was an Apple TV show. It just came out with Idris Elba, uh, oh, yes. and it's. It's like him on a plane that gets hijacked. He has a job as a very good negotiator, which we never actually see evidence of, but he does let us know he's so good at negotiating. So he's like, I got this with these terrorists. Like, let me talk to them. Let me handle this. And each episode, like kind of shows you his perspective from the plane. And then like someone else who was on the plane, like what they went through that morning. So you kind of understand like all, how all these people came to be on this plane and like what their journeys were. And it's, I mean, it's an episodic and it came out every week, but it feels like a movie. Like, if you just yeah. sit down and watch the whole thing, mm. you're like, oh, that could have been just cut down to an hour and a half and made into a really fun movie. Mm. Why did we do this but as a TV mo- show? I, I, yeah. The momentum
3: was so good. Like, I, I mean, it's just a genre. It's not like some incredible show, but it's so suspenseful. And they. To yeah. me, I thought they did it so well that I was like, I, I wouldn't have binged this so quickly if it were all, you know, Aired at once, so I was, yeah. I was that, was, that
1: was, that was. I mean, I watched tough. it all in a night and stayed up until two a.m. Right? They do it kind of like twenty-four, where it's yeah, like each episode is an hour of this actually happening. Yeah. Well, so, you, yeah, I love the binge of that one.
2: Idris Elba, you want to binge Idris Elba? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> exactly. I want to binge mm-hmm. Idris. Um, I have one last question for you. I because this one, I was thinking about. 'Cause you're from you you're from you spent time in Texas and Illinois, right? Is that your background? Yeah, I was born
1: in Dallas and I grew up in Rockford, Illinois, which okay. is a bit oh. outside of Chicago. Yes, I know Rockford well. So like that's sort Why? of well, because I'm from Missouri and then I spent a lot of time okay. in Chicago. Okay. Well, I was and like, so, nobody Chicago. knows yes, that. Yeah, yes, I know I traveled all around <laughs> Illinois.
2: Um so one of the things that like for me, when I remember when I left home in St. Louis and moved to Chicago for school, I would watch Roseanne because it was so like indicative of that Midwest sort of blue collar life. It was like, it was, yeah. it was like me watching. Home Very authentic. It was like me watching oh, home yeah. videos basically of my family. And I, and I feel like where we're from kind of dictates the television we watch sometimes or the ones we respond to most. And I want to know if like, do you mm. have that? And like, what shows are sort of that comfort, zone for you you know
1: oh yeah uh when I went to I went to school on the east coast and then I did like a year abroad in Germany lived in Sweden for a bit Mm and I would watch so much Shameless. Oh. Shameless just oh. made me feel so in touch with Chicago. Wow. Illinois. wow.
0: <laughs> wow. It just,
1: and even until, I watched until it got so bad when <laughs> it like uh, Fiona left the show and it was just like, what are we even still doing here? I kept watching. Even when Frank got so bad and his character made no sense, I was just like, I don't care. It fixes the homesickness. Wow. Like I see the blue line and I'm just kind of like, oh, okay, Chicago uh wow, happy yeah. endings was another one that was mm, pretty good for sure. that even though it's not a very realistic chicago yeah. uh and then the league actually was another Whoa. one in college where i would just be like oh but they're talking about chicago like yeah. oh the midwest <laughs> yeah
0: yeah i love that oh well yeah, actually that's, that, yeah that's a this ball. was so fun chatting that. with you
1: Oh my gosh! This was amazing. This was so much fun. I absolutely love talking about TV. So
2: anytime, <laughs> where can people? You follow are such you on a the- delight. Where can yeah. people?
0: Yeah, sorry. Ellen, you cut out for a second, so I was cutting you off. Where can people find you on the internet? Uh,
1: you can follow me at TheAshleyRay. Uh, I did want to ask if you all watch Below Deck or 90 Day Fiance, though. I Like, you mentioned some reality. Those are my two realities.
2: Let me tell you. So I started watching Below Deck because of, um, oh, God, the Peacock reality series, where what what's-her-name was on it. She's from Below Deck. Oh, The
1: Traders. Thank you, Kate. The Traders. Yeah, yes, absolutely. which is,
2: uh, Sari changed my entire life. I mean, I love her from Survivor, but she changed <laughs> my Sur- entire life. <laughs> On, on on that show but I started Below Deck because of that because I stuck to my Real Housewives moments but then Below yeah. Deck sucked me in there is some insane drama with Below Deck
1: it's the best reality show to me. Start wow. with the low deck down under, and just kind of branch out from there, and you'll have a good time. I think the low deck Mediterranean is the best. Oh, wow. uh, but if you want to hear all about my TV opinions, listen to TV I Say with Ashley Ray. Follow me at the Ashley Ray. I got a newsletter. I'll tell you what to watch every week. Wonderful. <laughs> sounds great. Thanks Thank so you, much, Ashley. Ashley. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> And
2: another thing.
3: I subscribe to a Substack stack uh, called The Trend Report. And mm. it's this guy, Kyle Raymond Fitzpatrick, who's gay, but really writes about... Uh,
0: Kyle Raymond Fitz- Fitzpatrick is gay? <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> The old three names. The old three names. Um, <laughs> Try named. Yeah,
3: you're welcome. He always, you're welcome. Yeah, right. <laughs> he, he he's. I mean, it's just a lot of links. It's like a, a newsletter with like links and recommended reading. Okay. Um, it's great. It's like he covers politics and media. Let's have him on the
2: podcast.
3: Yeah, yeah. He he's wonderful. He he really he he's great, and he really informs like the stuff that that I read. He really mm. covers the gamut. But so sometimes he talks about. He doesn't really talk that much about being gay i mean it obviously like it makes its way into his content but mm-hmm. he wrote this this uh sort of bl- a piece about um g- gay male uh uh gay male parenting as content oh yeah gay parenthood as content and it, it was really a, a really interesting read because I, like personally i've been grappling with like the the the, the role as like a artist writer creative mm. and the and the struggle to the, the struggle that i'm i i feel like i'm losing day by day where it's just very overwhelming to see people turn everything into content and and it's hard like existentially it's very hard to sit with that just and like what he talks about in this piece is how a lot of these a lot of these uh you know mostly white uh wealthy to a degree um gay male parents, Anderson Cooper, Andy Cohen, Chasten and Pete Buttigieg, Tom Daly and just Dustin Lance Black, they, they, their content about parenting is, it's so distinctively performative and in a way that's really just, just jarring when you stop and think about it. And he, Mm -hmm. he writes, you know, he writes about it and he, uh, I'll, I'll quote him. He says, this is a parenthood where toned biceps, quote, occur from lifting children up and down, where there are never messes. There's always branded content with it, branded products within reach. There's always exercise, always a day in the life, always ads, always a Taylor Swift reference, and always a semi-exotic animal. It's aspirational anti-parenting where things just, quote, happen, and it's all beautiful.
2: Yeah.
3: And And I just, it just struck me because it's like, you know, you think about your role as a, potential queer parent you know and and Mm -hmm. what what that oh oh, do you (laughs) i do and like what those blockades already look like is you know down the line like whether it's with a partner whether it's alone whether it's a surrogate or adoption like all of the blockades that already exist and then you see this onslaught of what he calls performances that combine lifestyle pr with celebrity and it's like it's such a bummer because it's like no 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 you're i mean i'm gonna quote i'm gonna just it's our it's our it's our tagline, but it's like, no, no you're making it you are making it worse by making the pushing the goalposts so far over there yeah. and almost make almost making it tasteless.
2: Well, you know what this made me think of? And it's so interesting that we had the great conversation with Ashley Ray on talking about television. It was great. But it's it's sort of the that first big sitcom, you know, Leave it to Beaver and how it presented this sort of idea of what a family should be, you know, the nuclear family, the man, the woman, they're all white, they're all perfect, the dad comes home from work, the mom has the dinner made, like all these cookie cutter things. And we all know that that is an artifice, that that's fake, that that, that can't be real. But the standards in which, you know, the amount of privilege it takes to sort of meet those standards is, is immense. And it's happening, I mean, we're seeing a modern day Leave it to Beaver with these queer parents, these queer white men, and it's only white men, there's a few lesbians in there too, also mostly white, who are parenting in a way that is unobtainable because it's lacking the nuance of the conversation that to be a queer parent, particularly a queer male parent, in right now in the United States at least, in some states it's almost impossible, but it's also almost always incredibly expensive across the board. You have to have an immense amount of wealth in order to even have a child as a queer person in a way that doesn't make you sort of like do an at home version with your lesbian friend. And it, and it's, and it's with a Turkey base, with her. a Turkey base. I mean, I didn't want to say that, but, and it, it like it becomes, it's, it's just such a slap in the face to the reality that most people can't afford the life and the things and the way that these parents, these people are able to be parents. And, it, and the
3: noble, the, I will say like that, the often noble pursuit, if you're pursuing yeah. as a queer person be parenthood, that's, that's what I'm saying. It's like, it's, it, you should be rewarded, not felt to, not made to feel by your own, like, you know, uh, um, community that it's, compl- that you're doing it wrong or that yeah. you're doing it in a way that's ugly or, or, or important. You, you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, just,
0: yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I'll throw my two cents in, which is, um. He hates children, be. first uh, of all. An, Hate an, children. An ad- that's not true. Uh, <laughs> an additional level of cynicism, but as someone, but probably not in this, the, the degree that you guys are anticipating. Uh-huh. As someone who lives in Los Angeles, uh, for any number of reasons, you know, I have been in homes of very successful people who have kids, either friends or sometimes not friends, just people or whatever. um, And All of that is to say, it's my fervent belief, and I've said it before and I'll say it again, if you are very successful, you are not a good parent. It's just (laughs) not possible. (laughs) And the funny thing to me is like, I'll bet you, and by the way, there's nothing wrong with having assistants. There's nothing wrong with having, certainly nothing wrong with having babysitters or au pairs or whatever, but I'll bet you all of the uh, celebrities you just rattled off um, who are posing with their kids have a team of people that are actually raising that child. And Anderson Cooper, I can assure you, oh, yeah. spends like ninety minutes a week with his. Kid. He didn't take his kids to that's... Israel
2: when he was there for the past few weeks reporting uh, over the situation. Like the kids with a nanny or something in New York. I mean, it's and, 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 and that's, that takes a lot. That's of to Alan's. That.
3: That's to Alan's point. Like it. it it's. Like I, you know, Andy Cohen has like two kids. Yeah, and how, how when he goes on Howard Stern, Howard busts his balls. He's like, so how often do you ever see your kids? Because <laughs> right all on. you're doing is like you're just partying, you're hosting stuff. He insists yeah. on seeing his kids, but you know the presentation of of a child on the, he, I think he was on the cover of People Magazine, introducing his son or child to the world or whatever. And it's like it's such a disappointment because yeah. it just. It, it cheapens the idea of parenthood and again i just keep saying moving the goalposts but it does that yeah. it, it, it it makes it more out of reach and and the but the, the thing that just i think makes all of it so shitty is that as um kyle writes in the p in his piece he says that it's it's presenting this yes a reality style familial voyeurism and this rated pg "Quote: Love is love expression of of sexuality, and and it's that that thing where it's like you can't criticize the behavior because love is love, and in this house, you know, we believe, and it's like." There's no it, there's no room left for anybody to go. Yeah. Okay, yeah, it might be. You might think it's tasteless for him to debut his child on the cover of People
2: magazine, but love is love, and I'm not homophobic, and I support. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, well, it, it sucks, leaves no room can, for nuance. But you can call out. I mean, yes, I don't think you necessarily should. He's a celebrity, of course, he's going to do fucking weird things, and they're going to have nannies. You can't fault people for those things. What you can fault people for is you know, they have a platform as as major queer parents. They have a huge platform. And one of the things that they could be calling for is, you know, you have Obamacare gave us so many amazing different incentives as a part of family planning. And one of those incentives that is not a part of it is how queer men are able to have children when they want to have children or the ability to and have these states vote on things that allow... I mean, here, right now, you have the Supreme Court abolishing abortion, basically, in the United States. And yet we're limiting the access of actual eager parents to be able to be parents in more ways than than we've ever seen before in this country. And there are so many people out there who just want, who maybe have a middle-class job, a gay dude, a gay couple from exactly. fucking Boise, Idaho, where where Brent just was. I don't know if you met any gay dudes there, but there's probably someone who wants to be a fucking parent, but can't do it because they can't afford, i they can't afford the the, the everything that it costs. And so that to me is like, the thing that these celebrity dudes could be calling for is make this more accessible to people, make this more a part of the family planning things that are a part of these state benefits that you get a
0: lot of times, you know, like isn't it wild that like what you've described uh, Elliot um, of these posts, the way you've described these posts, it just reminds me of, like a second page spread commercial in like a magazine. You know, uh, you know, someone posing with their child and there's a there's a big roll of bounty and there's a, a perfectly spilled milk and they you know they clean it up with bounty or whatever. And you're like, how is it possible that social media has been able to like make b- like magazine advertisements seem like it's authentic? content quote unquote that people go out of their way to watch it's like that's that's one of the parts i know we're getting in the weeds on social media as always but like that's one of the parts that blows me away that anyone would look at a post like what you've described and say i'm going to keep following this i would like to keep seeing where this goes because it goes nowhere except shilling for bounty. I I don't understand right. why anyone would follow these accounts. Well, because
2: social media is no different than People Magazine. I mean it's just people magazine in a different
0: way. Yeah, form. but you don't buy people magazine for the advertisements, you see them inadvertently. You buy people magazine sure. for the articles. But you also don't buy Instagram, but you see the advertisements
2: inadvertently. And so it But it's all in it's all advertisements. It's not, that, no, that's what not, I, I wouldn't saying. say it's all advertisements, but it but they are a part of the infrastructure and so it It is, to me, it is exactly the same as buying a magazine or, you know, looking at reading the celebrity stories and then seeing... You're looking at pretty things. and And seeing that celebrity wear a Gucci belt that is clearly an advertisement because they were gifted that belt because they wanted you to look up that Gucci belt. So, like, the connections are all very much there, but that doesn't take away from what I think that they should be doing is maybe talking about the access to parenting, mm. like doing the yeah. things, well, paying it forward a little bit. I and... wouldn't hold your breath. Exactly. No. Oh, I also yeah, it's, it's... I hate Tom Daly and D- Dustin Lance Black. They are my favorite couple to hate. I fucking hate those dudes.
3: Yeah. It cre- again, like it, cre- it just creeps me out. I'll say it I- I- again. I'll just, I'll, I keep saying it. I just, I cannot believe when, I can't believe the act of performing candidness. Yeah that's what i'm trying to say i can't believe the act of performing candidness and when they do so in a way that should be at the very least like you know you would hope to your point alan you would hope that it would be like an outreach to other people who are trying to do the same thing mm-hmm. instead it's about restoration hardware and marble countertops yep. you know yep. and 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 luxury you know gucci loafers or whatever and it's just like yeah. jesus the 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 i the the i mean unfortunately we have to blame oprah because it's all about nate burkus and his husband
2: ah uh, well kind of i guess sort of
3: they're at the center of this at least according i don't to think Kyle.
2: so i don't think so
3: blame <laughs> oprah <laughs> what would what your would aunt say brent what would your aunt ramona say about something she heard on today's show
0: I don't know any of the influencers you described. I only follow Mike and Kelly Johnson on Instagram.
3: My Aunt Joanne would say, sure, Fraser may know people of color, but has he met a Jew? Good question.
2: Good How about question. Aunt Ann? Aunt Anne would say, well, one thing you can know about Speaker Mike Johnson, he's not thinking with his Johnson. <laughs> It probably it is is. he probably yeah. is though he probably is <laughs> i love so. i love a penis being a johnson it's so mike funny. johnson
3: is so, <laughs> so weird it's so... it's not just retro it's like john what was that brand that penis brand in the, in the 90s was big a penis big penis johnson brand. there was a penis brand there were like suggestive t-shirts that were like big jo- oh i don't remember like... that at all but i want one now <laughs> Yeah. It was like Big Johnson lacrosse or something, and it was like get a you know like dig in the holes. And of course, anytime I would see that that hat or T shirt, I'd be like, you get "Bad kid, yeah, yeah. a delinquent, yes. a delinquent." It's scary, it's very scary. You're scared in the corner,
0: very scary. And then of course, he grows up to be this man, this this unhinged man. <laughs>